Welcome to the Up in the Air podcast, a podcast about music, sports, and everything in between. Today we have a special guest today. Uh, it is Zach Morgan. Hello. He's so happy and excited to be here. And without further ado, let's dive in. Uh, so Zach, tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. Uh, my name is Zach Morgan. I'm a third year and I'm down here in Milledgeville. Um, I actually go to the technical college around here, CGTC. Um, but I did spend the first two years of my collegiate career, uh, so to say, at uh, University of Georgia. I lost the Hope Scholarship there um, and then paid for a full semester without the Hope Scholarship. And that was muy expensive, so can't do that again. Um, and then transferred down here and now I'm with all my, all my guys that got my back and I'm paying a lot less for tuition right now. But we're on, we're on the upward trend, so... We're yeah. Up. So you talked about like the first part of your college career being in Georgia. So mm-hmm. how was that like? Oh, it was awesome. Um, everyone generally <laughs> thinks that people that don't do well there, like uh, academically, are just partying all the time. And there is definitely a lot on the party scene, but there's just a lot more to do all the time in, in general there. Um, so I was always hanging out with my friends. Uh, game days were electric. Saturdays, you would just tailgate all day, hang out with people, and then go and pack a stadium full of 90,000 people, and you're all wearing red and black and rooting on for the same team, so it was just a really great atmosphere. So is there, like, a different feel? Let's say if you're playing, like, uh, I don't know, like, Norfolk State or something like that, and then the next game you're playing against, let's say, South Carolina or something like that, like, the energy that... Is it the same type of energy throughout, or is it just that, all right, we can get some competition with this school? Oh, it's, it's definitely very different energy. Um, usually the tailgating energy is about the same for most schools, unless it's a real rival like Florida or Auburn. But in terms of the actual game energy, um, 90,000 will pack every stadium to, be, to start every single game. And like against Austin P, which was the first game of my freshman year season, um, it was packed out, but then by the first quarter, there was only a quarter of the fans left. And wow. I made it a point to stay the whole time, every single game, because I was thinking even then, I don't know when my next opportunity will be to watch a game. I want to take it all in while I can. Um, but people would leave pretty early because they're 12 o'clock games. They're just hot weather, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but then night games against big teams like Mississippi State or Auburn or uh, Tennessee or South Carolina, any of those games were huge, and they were just absolutely ridiculous how wild they got. Now, how was like the tick, getting a ticket? Like you know, from mm-hmm. if you're not going to school there, uh, one of my friends told me that you guys had to like sometimes have like a raffle or yeah, the tickets auctioned off or something like that. Is that something like that? Yeah. Um, the way it, the cheapest way it works for people that aren't students is to know someone that is a student and buy their ID off them. Um, cause the way it is for student tickets is you have, you buy like, you pay $70 for, um, all the home games. So it comes out to about $10 per ticket, which is basically a high school game. So it's not that bad. Um, pay $70 for all the home games. And then those get added onto your student ID and then they'll scan that in to let you into the game. Um, but they don't really check the like actual ID part of the student ID. So, they don't start right so there's now, a whole black market, <laughs> um, of IDs out there that are people. People being like, because you get penalized if you don't go to a game that you've bought. Yeah. Um, and if you get two penalties, even in your whole four years there, you can't go to any more games. Um, so it's a really wow. big deal. Um, 
if you buy, what you're supposed to do is buy the tickets and then donate them to the lottery. And then they'll be like, students will get free tickets even if they didn't buy them. Um, but no one wants to give their ticket away for free. So there ends up being a black market where you just sell your ticket, sell your student ID and give it to them for the day and just hope you don't get caught. Oh, wow. That, that's yeah. incredible. Um, so even just gearing on to that, like you uh, mentioned like going there to game day and like the experience there in the first two years. Now, have you always been like a Georgia fan? That being something that you were like, oh, yeah, I know as soon as college hits, I'm going to be at Georgia. No doubt about it. Actually, uh, funny enough, I was a Florida fan growing up. Wow. Um, yeah, I had a few uncles that went to Florida and my mom went to Georgia and me being a middle schooler when I was picking my team, there was no way I was picking my mother's college team. <laughs> so um, I was a Florida fan uh, through the Chris Leak and Tim Tebow eras where we got those championships. So that was really fun. Um, also, uh, during the Billy Donovan eras where we won March Madness twice. Um, I think this is the only time that there's been a football and basketball champion in the same year. Right? Yeah. Something like that. Back to back, actually. So I had like a bunch of Florida gear. Um, but then as I, like, probably towards the tail end of high school, I started considering, why am I actually a Florida fan? Um, and it, it was a weird pivot, but I knew I wanted to go to Georgia more than I wanted to go to Florida for university. And then when I got in and started attending there, um, from day one, the environment just totally won me over. It was awesome. The people there were awesome. Um, and having a team that I get to go and watch and cheer on, absolutely changed uh my my rooting interests and i really delved into the georgia football like podcasting culture there too like started listening to a lot of those um so i'm fully georgia now never going back (laughs) (laughs) now um we were talking off mic about uh like this past season and like i know like you've my the first episode of this show was you know i think it came off as like me being pessimistic of georgia fans and just seeing like the craziness that they tolerate um but uh what I was gonna touch on was like how can you pitch me being a Georgia fan like if I if I was anti-Georgia or anything like that well I think if you're I think Georgia's a very like divisive team in the fact that you're either really against them or you're really for them and it's kind of blind faith either way but if you were to be a Georgia fan, if you wanted to start being a Georgia fan right now, I think now is probably the perfect time to do so. Um, because Kirby Smart is con- uh, consistently getting uh, top recruiting classes in. Right now we have the top uh, the number three recruiting class for 2020, and that's been the case for the last three or four years. Um, so we're getting top recruits in. Uh, we're hiring new coaches to develop those uh, talents into actual prospects. And we're sending people to the draft every single year. And we haven't won the national championship yet, but I do feel like it'll be coming sooner rather than later. Well, um, here's the thing. Like, I know, like, for me, uh, I, in a similar way, I grew up a Georgia fan, and now I'm, I follow them due to the fact that I live in Georgia. You can't escape Georgia fans anywhere you go, any part <laughs> of the town or whatever. You will find them. Um, but I remember I grew up in the heyday when – David Green was, like, the premier quarterback of Georgia. And then after that, DJ Shockley. And then there's also the dark times, and there's the transition to Aaron Murray. And in between that, I mean, we had Matt Stafford and stuff. like. But after Matt Stafford, it was just, like, who's the next placeholder of the next quarterback? And, like, 
for a while there was a lot of potential with that. And then I think for some times, like even if you saw like when Alabama was on the come up, it was around the same time that Georgia was supposed to be neck and neck with them. And for me, it's just like, I was like being like a fan at the time of just, man, this is very nerve wracking of just, oh my gosh, they're going to. It is nerve-wracking, but they're also a little bit different eras. Like, under Mark Richt, under that time when Georgia was supposed to be on the up-and-up, it was kind of more like we had just started cracking the top ten for recruiting classes. We were like eight, seven every single year. Um, And the rest of the SEC East was pretty weak after the 2008 Florida. Um, So people were just projecting that Georgia and Alabama would be on a consistent crash course for the SEC title game, when reality... The reason Georgia was being projected to be next to Alabama was not because of our talent being the same or our coaching being the same, but just because we had kind of an easier schedule in the SEC East. Um, and obviously, under Mark Rick, we lost a lot of big games, and yeah. we could never get over the hump. I think Kirby so far has taken us one step beyond Mark Rick. We've now uh, been to the college football playoff, been to the national championship. Uh, we just won a Sugar Bowl, which is like, you know, it's a big six bowl, but... It's, it's not that there, – there's still more steps to take. Yeah. But we've gone further than Mark Rick took us. So yeah, I mean, but you, also, but you also have to, like, credit him in a weird way of just, like, being able to set the blueprint, like you said, and being able to have, like, somebody else just uh, kind of, like, make the most of it, kind of give him the extra push. But even more so, like, uh, what, do you, what are your ideas of this past season, like, uh, how it went and – what you had wished, I mean, ultimately mm-hmm. you wanted uh, them to be raising the championship at the end of the year, but uh, what are some takeaways, some insight that you took away from this season? Yeah, so obviously with the goal of it being a national championship, it was a disappointing season for UGA. Um, but it's encouraging to think that at the very least for the next handful of years, the beginning of the season, our goal is going to realistically be a national championship. And I think that's an encouraging step that not a lot of people uh, consider. Yeah, we haven't gotten there so far, but to be at the point where at the beginning of every single season, you can realistically say that you have a chance at the national championship, that's a big step. So it was disappointing in, in the sense that we didn't raise it, but and also disappointing from a Jake Fromm perspective. Uh, he did not have the great ending to his season or he didn't put up the numbers that we had been expecting after two really really good seasons from him um but also some of that was there was a little bit on a lack of talent from the wide receiving end uh you've seen the comparisons between Jake Fromm's completions percentages numbers like his numbers with Lawrence Cager our top wide receiver in were close to 70 percent for the five games we had him and the games without Lawrence Cager were a little bit below 50 percent so a very stark difference um, I think this season is a lot of what could have been. Um, if Lawrence Cager didn't get hurt, if George Pickens didn't get suspended, um, if we didn't have injuries to our running backs or injuries, you know, we had a few of those, but ultimately, oh, ESPN notification. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Ultimately, I think the biggest thing from this season is it proved that Kirby Smart was being really, really stubborn in his offensive ways. And I think that the failure of this season could realistically kind of be a kick in the butt. And hopefully now with Jamie Newman um, coming for the 2020 season, we start to change it up a little bit, 
and instead of running such a stagnant offense, uh, spread it out a little bit more. Now, um, you mentioned Jake Fromm, and he won't be here next year because like they're move like he's moving on to the NFL. But there's always been like this, like one of your roommates is a is from Warner Robins and is a huge Jake Fromm fan. But um, there's always been this uh, weird thing about like how he's not the problem, but he's also given the brunt of the blame when it comes to certain situations. Like for instance, there's some things there's some times where it's warranted, like the LSU game last year and Oh yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, there's other times that he does his best, but you know, it's a team sport and for you can only control so much that you can, but what are some takeaways in his legacy at Georgia that you would whether you wanted him to stay or whether it, it was the right decision for him to move on. What are your thoughts on that? All right, so I'm saying this as the vice president of the Jake Fromm fan club. (laughs) (laughs) I legitimately think that he is one of the better quarterbacks UGA has had in the last two decades, probably. Really? Um, In terms of what he's done for this program, he brought us to a national championship in his first year. His first two years, he was easily one of the top three quarterbacks in the entire nation um, behind the likes of... Uh, Tua, Taiga Vailoa, and Trevor Lawrence, and uh, Kyler Murray as well. Those were the three that he was sitting behind for his first two years, which are pretty respectable company. Yeah, and there might be like um, some really great NFL talents in the next level. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think his legacy is going to be dampered by the last six games of this season where he showed he clearly has a long way to go in being a starting NFL quarterback. But... I do think that he's a natural-born winner, um, and he brought, even just from a leadership perspective, he brought so much fight and um, passion to this sport that we honestly had kind of been missing under Mark Richt. Like, I know I said I was a Florida fan um, growing up, but I still definitely paid close attention to Georgia sports, and and one of the things I would chide my Georgia friends on was um, their, like, fake energy, their fake leadership, their fake passion. It kind of just felt a little miskewed there uh, under Mark Rick. But I do think Jake Fromm has kind of reignited that at Georgia. Um, and I think he leaves a legacy of bringing us to a new height, but not quite the top. And I think actually, I think a lot of his legacy kind of depends on what he does on the NFL. If he goes on to become a really successful starter, you'll look back and say, oh, he was really good at Georgia. Maybe he was just uh, lacking a few difference makers at wide receiver or something like that. Yeah. But if he uh, spends the rest of his career holding a clipboard, I think it'll be really easy for people to say, oh, he was never good at Georgia. He was just behind a really good offensive line mm-hmm. um, and a really good recruiting coach. Yeah, in my opinion, I think that he should have stayed at least one more year just mm-hmm. for the fact of, like, I mean, I think most – I think around the time the SEC championship game ended, most people were predicting that he would return for a senior season and make a run to be at least a top a top quarterback. Uh, one of, In the discussion, I mean, obviously Trevor Lawrence, would might, as of right now, could be the unanimous number one for next year. Um, but, you know, a lot could happen in that time frame. But I think he would have been in that quarterback class of next-tier talent of quarterbacks available. But I do believe that... You mentioned like the last six games having 
been kind of underwhelming in his performance, he would have been able to rectify that in the next season and show that there is like other maybe there's other skills that uh, he could have rectified. I don't know, but you know, at the end of the day, it's his decision in order to move on to the NFL. He sees fit, but um, even transitioning to that, like, what are your thoughts on Jamie Newman coming in and what he could bring to? UGA, like, what do you think, like, he would be able to do with that? So I actually surprisingly watched a good bit of Jamie Newman this past season, um, even, you know, obviously without knowing he was going to transfer to UGA or even put his name in the transfer portal. Um, they just happened to have a lot of televised games, like their games against Clemson and Louisville I watched, which was a thriller. Um, if you haven't seen it, it was like a 56-55 game or something like that against Louisville, and it was awesome. Um, but... I watched a good bit of him, and I think he's kind of like an anti-Jake Fromm in the sense that his strengths were Jake Fromm's weaknesses and his weaknesses were Jake Fromm's strengths. But I think he can we can possibly use him in a way that would better our offense for 2020. What do you mean by that? Like his strengths and his weaknesses, like, like what, what skills did you So one of the things that made Jake Fromm a good quarterback, despite what anybody says, is his checks at the line of scrimmage. Um, he could read what the defense was going to throw at him pretty well, and he really didn't take sacks. I mean, he there's been a few notable sacks he took, like in the national championship game against Alabama, um, but for the most part, he was really, really good about throwing the ball away, not throwing interceptions, and not taking sacks. Um, he was really bad at throwing deep balls. When we needed points, he couldn't throw a deep ball really effectively to save his life. And he didn't have much, uh, he couldn't really fit it into tight windows. That wasn't his forte. His forte was throwing a, a back shoulder to a wide receiver on the sideline or, um, you know, finding an open man because of his pre-snap checks. Jamie Newman is the opposite in the sense that he has a really good arm and he can really throw a deep ball pretty, as uh, accurately as you want. Um, and he can also fit the ball into really tight windows really, really well. He's really atrociously bad at taking sacks. And granted, like the Wake Forest offensive line is it's a not really like terrible. It's not well, the UGA it's, offensive Not only line. is it not the UGA offensive line, like their right side, specifically the right tackle, is just absolutely atrocious. <laughs> um, and But Jamie Newman is supposed to be a bit of a mobile quarterback. And when you're when I was watching those games... It was like, I can see him break off long runs and run RPOs where they have to account for him running the ball because he is a mobile quarterback. He was like, he's he not their, like, he wasn't their leading rusher, but, yeah, he, but was, he had like 600, six, nearly 600 yards rushing on yeah, the ground. Yeah, he, he was crazy um, rushing for Wake Forest. So when he's taking these really just terrible sacks, it left me with a bitter taste in my mouth thinking, what is he doing? Like he has the ability to escape and... I think that's the thing is he's kind of deer in the headlights sounds really extreme. Um, but that's the kind of vibe I got from it was he sometimes froze in the pocket, whereas Jake Fromm had really good pocket awareness. Um, and Jamie Newman would freeze in the pocket and take some sacks um, and also threw a lot more interceptions than Jake Fromm did. Yeah, but I feel like even in the transition over from Wake Forest UGA, um, there's some things, there will be some growing pains in the first few games. Like, you know, of course you'll have like your F FCS schools you play in order to like feel each other out of how good he can be. But, um, 
even just transitioning on that, like, what what is the outlook for UGA that you have, like, let's say, like, next season and whatnot and, and going further? I know you said that you want them to compete for a championship, but how realistic does that look this season when I think defense was really good, but at the tail end of it, like, when they, I mean, LSU was a juggernaut this season, so, um, but do you think they could repeat that type of defensive stoutness or I definitely think defensively we will actually be a little bit better than we were this year which is crazy to say because we had a really good defense this year um but I don't think it's that far off we're not really losing a whole lot of defensive contributors we're losing Tyler Clark who's a good pass rusher but we have um some good five-star linemen that didn't even get a chance to play last year until the Sugar Bowl and they did really well in the Sugar Bowl Mm um we're losing J.R. Reed um, yeah, your safety. Yeah, but the thing with J.R. Reed is, like, he was a two-star recruit that went to Tulsa and then transferred here and got developed into a really good safety prospect. But he was never the five-star athlete, you know, coming out of high school. That was never his game. And he also started, I mean, he's a really good safety. But just being nitpicky, there's a few tackles that he started missing. And I think Richard LeCount actually became a better safety than him by the end of the season. And now Richard LeCount is returning for his senior season. And we have Lewis Seen, who's going to be going into his sophomore uh, season. And he played at Baylor, and or against Baylor in the Sugar Bowl, and did really, really phenomenally. So I think we're going to be plugging uh, J.R. Reed's hole pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I believe we're also uh, losing one other player. Um, I can't remember who right now, but... Legitimately, I think we will be better next season. All our young players, because we had a really young team this year, I have one more year of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if we're not better, then we're just as good. I don't see us declining at all defensively. Yeah. The real question mark is on the other side of the ball. <laughs> yeah, because uh, who is it? Is it is one of your old linemen? Is it Andrew Thomas? Andrew Thomas is definitely our best uh, offensive lineman. He's our left tackle. And he's um, going to the draft. Yeah, he's right? going to the draft. He'll... Top five. Have a high, yeah, he has a high chance of being a top ten pick, so he's really good. Uh, Solomon Kinley was our right tackle. He's also going into the draft. He could potentially be first round, probably a second round pick. Um, and then we have uh, Cade Mays, who was a starting right guard for us, who could also play left guard and sometimes center. And he is transferring to ten. You guys are obviously losing some key players. Uh, how will that impact you guys in the twenty twenty fall season? Uh, playing Alabama, is it in Tuscaloosa? Yeah, it is, and it's it's an early game too, so that one will be probably our first real test for Jamie Newman, um, assuming he wins the starting job, of course. Like maybe who else is in contention for that? Um, Carson Beck, uh, redshirted this year. He's a, I guess he'll be a redshirt freshman next year, um, and then we have our Dwayne Mathis if he gets eligible again. Was he a five star um, recruit? I think he might have been four, but he was a highly recruited or highly rated recruit. Um, but assuming Jamie Newman wins it, that'll be his. It'll be whoever wins it. It'll be their first big test. Yeah, that is a very Kirby, uh, Kirby smart thing. It's <laughs> it's unprecedented. Um, but yeah, we have a pretty difficult early schedule. We start off the season with actually a Monday night game. Oh so, wow! I didn't realize that. Yeah, it, it'll be weird because there's three Chick Fil A uh, kickoff games next year. Um, yeah, I think the last I, time was like that was 2015. Yeah, I can't remember what the first one is. Um, but then the second one is Auburn and North Carolina. That'll be 
Yeah, Mac Brown That'll be versus good. Uh, um, Bo Nix. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, <laughs> either or, I guess. My bad. <laughs> Who's the UNC quarterback then that was good? Um, oh, my goodness. I don't know. I, I didn't I, follow him. Yeah. yeah. I was mistaken at first. I thought you were talking about their quarterback. But no. <laughs> that was my bad. Yeah, Mac Brown, Gus Malzahn. But yeah, um, but then the Monday night game is Georgia and Virginia, which on paper we definitely have a more talented team than Virginia does, but they're a good team. They were good enough to get to the ACC championship this past year and face Clemson, and they put up a fight until about <laughs> four minutes left in the in the fourth. So it, it was a good game, actually. Is Bryce uh, Perkins coming back? I don't believe so, but I don't don't quote me on that. Yeah, um, he was like their whole offense last year. So if yeah. he's not, then we should definitely win that game. Um, then we have Eastern Tennessee State, so a little cupcake, but we need <laughs> a little know. cupcake to prepare know, us for Week Three at Alabama. That is gonna be crazy. I mean, you're um, saying that Jamie Newman, let's say hy- mm-hmm. hypothetically, he's the one who's QB one going into the first game. Uh I think that Chick-fil-A Bowl would be the big test because it's like the first time Georgia fans are actually seeing him in action. And well, he's actually already um, enrolled in classes right now, so he'll be there for the spring games, all of spring practice. It's not like he's just coming in in the fall, so he's no, but I mean, already like, there. In front of, like, that. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. it's just, I mean, your first game in a new uniform is it's. Mm-hmm. I would assume it's probably the biggest thing you're ever going to have. So, I mean, that, I think that would be the biggest thing, whether this is going to be a success or kind of like a temperature setter of what's going to happen in the coming season. Yeah, like, it will be. But for me, I'm not as worried about it because Jamie Newman has just spent three years facing the Virginia defense, which is a respectable defense. Um, there's no SEC. It, it's not the SEC, but I like having that. It's a respectable team that we face at the beginning of the season to get and it's a an opponent that Jamie Newman is familiar with um and it gets us ready for just getting thrown into the fire at Alabama for his first ever introduction of SEC on SEC play but that'll be key like playing mm-hmm. Alabama next season and to attack on Viola is leaving and there is going to be I don't know if it's going to be a competition. Yeah, but. between Mac Jones and uh, to, a li- to his little brother. Yeah, and so it's a new it's a new era of sorts in like the uh, the way that there's new faces and whatnot. But um, just taking away of that, like, what are some other key road games next season? That are you guys playing Auburn in Auburn? So no, we have Auburn in Athens next year. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll be really beneficial for us. That's one of our bigger games on the season. Uh, Florida's obviously a neutral site game in Jacksonville every year. Mm-hmm. Um, probably our biggest road game is at South Carolina. Oh, but yeah. honestly, I'm not super duper worried about that one either, uh, which, year, which sounds dangerous. Knock on wood. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's I think it'll be like kind of a revenge game for us next year. Uh, they oh they took advantage they, of what they of took all advantage of a lot of really bad circumstances for us in. Athens this season and I legitimately don't see any way we go into Columbia next year and not just wipe the floors with them out of out of what they did to us this season but I feel like it's like y'all beat yourselves more so than they beat y'all oh we did and it's literally Um, like and it's the same thing like I think it's the dangerous thing even Kirby was teaching throughout the season of just yo y'all we can't just overlook 
the next opponent. Oh yeah, we're seeing right. Such he said, such uh, the next game. there's been a dangerous disease affecting uh, exactly. UGA players. Which I believe. Like, you know, it's just... We think we're better than we are. <laughs> yes, I mean, and even to get into that, like, spiel, I think even... It goes a year ago, like, when you guys were in the Sugar Bowl, and there was that Texas one, and it was just like, oh, we weren't trying. But mm. he, it speaks to that. Since you've already been to the finish line but still never actually capitalized on that like i think that's what happens and you see in the in the long run it kind of came back to hurt you because oklahoma also sneaked in for the second oklahoma's <laughs> disgusting <laughs> they have like four games every season that they should lose and somehow miraculously pull out a win against teams that like, should not beat them well, you and know. and then the committee only sees the W and doesn't see anything else, and then they get curb stomped usually. Which actually, uh, which leads me to um, the college playoff and how like, it's going to be chosen. Like, I personally believe it should be eight teams, and then you just take one game out and use that as like as the, as the second or third playoff game in order mm-hmm. to segue into like a final four or, or semifinal. I think that would be the best way. And, of course, there's logistics of how much that could impact uh, students because there are students as well. Um, and also the the business side of things, which is very mucky to begin with. That's, a whole, that's a whole can of worms. I, don't I think it. if we expanded to an 18 playoff, and this would really anger the business side of things, I think we should get rid of the conference championships then. If we expand to an 18 playoff, I think there's no point of having the SEC championship or the ACC championship, especially the S- SEC one, because it's just two good teams being pitted against each other. But you never know because every single season, like something random happens. Like, shoot, you guys probably didn't even think that South Carolina was going to be able to pull an upset. That's the beauty of it all. It's like right. you never know what's going to happen. I mean, granted. Everything around. But if we didn't have to face LSU in the SEC championship, we would have been in the playoff. But I would subscribe to the notion that, uh, and it's already been presented this way of an eight-team playoff. If um, you take it by a grain of salt, who mm-hmm. who said it? But Colin Coward had this thing of like his own preface, uh, like his old preface of just, um, all right. So if there's eight teams, it should be the Power Five conferences. They get mm-hmm. the five. The, whoever wins that conference championship gets like the five spots. Those the are locked. Five, and then there's the at-large bids. Mm-hmm. And then if ranking-wise, whatever happens to the one of those championship games, however they trickle down, whoever is the loser gets the other spots, the other mm-hmm. two spots or three spots or whatever. And I think well, that's, that's adding a game without taking away any um, from the student side. You know, you don't yeah. want to just add more games. Like, I think already we're at kind of the limit of what players can play like collegiately and still be students. Which is true, but I would say like you could switch one of the games that are like cupcake games, like not to not to poo poo on Alabama, but they have a lot of those. But you know, and they, that's a whole entire that's a whole entire segment that's or whatever. Pod. Yeah, but you know, with that, I could also think that. Of course, the logistics would get in the way, but it is a little bit better than the four-team one, but you never mm-hmm. know. Like, 
it took forever to get the four established. Right. Imagine what it would take just to be eight. That's that's in, that's insane for other people to imagine that. But the thing is too, like, and I am actually for the eighteen playoff, but a really strong argument against it is of all the semifinals we've had so far, or semifinals. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, <laughs> of all the semifinals we've had so far. There's only been, like, two that have not been just blowouts. And the two that were not were classics, like Georgia-Oklahoma, um, double overtime, Clemson, and the Rose Bowl, Ohio State. and Clemson-Ohio State were excellent. But everything else, every other semifinal has just been... I think Michigan State versus Alabama was one of them, like the first one. I don't know. All oh. I know is Michigan State got blown out 38 to nothing. I don't know who they played, but... Yeah, I get your point, yeah. Um, and obviously, that's with supposedly the four best teams in the nation, if you add it to eight, mm-hmm. it's, which, you're just adding more room for more blowouts. Which is very weird because when it comes to that, it just becomes like, is the is is the finish line for everybody the same or is it the same, or is it just moved, like is it just mm-hmm. like customized for whatever you have? And, you know, and it's, it's, it's not fair. It's fair. It's complex, I would say. Like, not, I wouldn't say fair or unfair because it really benefits some teams. It doesn't benefit others. And, you know, whoever's being benefiting won't just speak up and say, well, that's not fair because, <laughs> you know, they're getting their Because UCF is getting, yeah. not getting in here. But, you know, and UCF then itself, uh, you know, after all that stuff. I remember, uh, shout out to Eric, but he was a huge UCF, UCF uh, McKenzie Milton fan, so... But I digress. I would even just say that I would just subscribe to that. And um, I could see that eventually taking shape within the next four or five years. But, you know. I think the current format is under contract at least until 2022. But I can't remember if they decided to renew it or not or to keep it on past Mm -hmm. then. I mean, if all else fails, we could always go back to the BCS, you know. Ah, never again. (laughs) But yeah, you know, uh, I think we've talked about it as much as we can, and uh, I really do appreciate having you on and having your insight on Georgia football. Um, as always, you can follow us at Up in the Air Podcast One on Instagram and email us at Up Up in the Air Podcast One for your questions, comments, and concerns. Um, Zach, do you have anything you want to plug or? No, uh, no plugs for me, but just thank you for having me on, Nard, and this has been an awesome experience. I hope to be back. All right, this concludes episode 10, and hope you guys have a great day. Peace.